0: This morning, I'm, I'm not so much going to be preaching to you or at you, and it's Thanksgiving, and let's be honest, I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're thinking about your oven. You can't fool me, not for a minute. What I wanted to make uh, this little bit of time that we have together this morning is it's just a very casual heart-to-heart conversation about an issue that I think is We all have to face at some point in our Christian journey, and uh, today is a good day to look at it. You know very well that fall launches uh, this beautiful season, and it's accentuated by thanksgiving. And uh, for those of you who understand the origins of Thanksgiving, well, that's in and of itself a, a whole brand new story. I'm just surprised that the holiday has survived North American culture, right? When you think about it, I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to pick on our friends uh, to the south, but can you think about what uh, American Thanksgiving looks like? You know, people actually get trampled and killed on American Thanksgiving, When the malls open up? I can't conceive of that. What are the two things that are associated with American Thanksgiving? Football and shopping. Okay. What are two things associated with Canadian Thanksgiving? (laughs) Yeah, food and family fights, right? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, we'll move away from that. I have to confess to you that I am uh, a recovering ingrate. What does that mean? That means that I, since coming to Christ, have been recovering from a life and heart and attitude of ingratitude for all the things that happened to my family for the woes and misfortunes that beset my childhood, for my parents' divorce, for abuse, for 101 things that I'm telling you I can fill books telling you about. I'm a a recovering ingrate. And there was a time when in my journey of recovering, and I still am recovering, when I would look at ungrateful people and grumble at them, you know, like I'd I'd almost have a, a, a sense of contempt I'm so glad to be able to say that today it's really moved from contempt to compassion because I I think being a little bit older and a little bit wiser, I understand why people struggle with ingratitude and how they actually get to the place of just really, really, really struggling with being thankful for the things that they have or being thankful for the things that they don't have just being grateful and, and grateful, period. Um, as I was talking to, to my wife Karen about this this week, I said, you know, hon, I said, I don't, want, I don't want to make this a sermon, a three-point sermon with, you know, we're going to take a Bible text, I'm going to preach it and hope it just it gets you, and boom! You know, and we all go home and, and forget about what I talked about. No. Um, I As I was working through this, I said, "Honey, you know, I really have a sense that this could be a time of healing for a lot of people. For a lot of people who have felt the pressure to live out gratitude when deep down in their heart, they're really not feeling it, particularly for those of us who have suffered, who have struggled, who have been waiting for or waiting on God to come through in ways that will make a difference in our lives. Let me begin by asking you this. How would you characterize an ungrateful person? How would you characterize an ungrateful person? I'll open up the floor for two, 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 two responses. Anybody? Grumpy? <laughs> Miserable? Complaining? Angry? Not thankful? Okay, I see that people are really, really taking this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're discontent. They find, they just always seem to find a reason to complain about their state. Whatever they seem to have is not good enough. They're suspicious when you give them something. What do you you want? Right? Uh, My kids are like, I don't understand. Like, I, I do something for them to bless them, literally. And I kind of go, why are you doing that for, Dad? Because I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, he's getting us ready for the big chore list on Saturday morning. Yeah, right. Um, they have a propensity to compare themselves with others, usually in, in this regards. Man, I, I can't believe that so-and-so has this and has that, and God's done this and that. And look at me. They struggle with resentment over what they perceive as the good fortune of others. But probably more sadly, there's this growing lack of grace and generosity. Now, if we look at the origins of ingratitude, I have to confess that we, we certainly come uh, from it or come to it very honestly. It's part of kind of like I would call our sinful hereditary. I just want to read one little verse now. You've got the other verses on there, I believe. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, what, I'm going to read this because I didn't include it in my text. But here, here's part of humanity's primal condition: is since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them, for His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts became darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Interestingly, Paul's saying at at the, the start of the following domino effect of humanity's condition was, number one, a refusal to acknowledge, honor God. And then quickly, right after that, a refusal to be grateful. That kind of set into motion this darkness in humanity's hearts. So much can be said about this, but I I really don't want to. I just kind of want these verses to sink in. That when we refuse to bless God, as we were talking about earlier, right? To praise and to thank him. To, to extol and, and verbalize the good that we know he, who he is and what he represents. When we don't make that our confession, it doesn't take long before our heart stops saying thank you. And then what happens is that our minds start getting dark in the way they think. Our hearts become dark and foolish. We, we think in worthless ways. Now, ironically enough, Paul says that in the last days, this sense of ingratitude is going to permeate the, the, the generation that precedes the coming of Christ. Look at what he says. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding on to a form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. Now, the truth is, is that, yeah, well, we have a hard time avoiding those people because they're all around us. And it's almost like like, uh, vehicle exhaust, right? I mean, where do you go to escape the exhaust fumes of a car? You can't. And in a culture that is permeated by ingratitude and wanting more for self, it's very, very... Easy to kind of breathe in that moral or immoral exhaust. So I think it's just, just as a pastoral wisdom, as a pastoral exhortation, we need to guard our hearts because it is so easy to, to breathe in that air of ingratitude. Diagnosing ingratitude amongst Christians. Now listen, there there are the usual suspects. There are just individuals, no matter what you do for them, it's never enough. It's not good enough. You simply cannot meet their expectations. They are constantly disappointed. There are individuals who just, just, they just can't see it. You know, parents wrestle with that, right? They they tell their kids, look at everything I do for you. And then your child reminds you of the one thing that you don't do, right? It's like, ah, oh, you just don't get it. <sighs> we we will recover, but more specifically, um, when I think of diagnosing ingratitude amongst believers, and and I'm talking about myself too here, is this inability to recognize God's grace the inability to recognize God's grace when it comes to us. You know, God's grace has often been referred to as as His loving kindness. It's expressed towards people without any reference to whether or not they are deserving of what He gives them. The giving of God's gifts rests solely on His loving generosity and desire to bless His people and His creation. It doesn't rest on their warranting it, meriting it, or being deserving of it. And that is why it is so hard for us to comprehend the grace of God because we live in a tit-for-tat world. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. You're kind to me, I'm kind to you. You give me something, I feel a sense of indebtedness to you, so I, 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 I'm going to either pay it back or pay it forward. I just can't receive something. We, we, when we have not been freed by grace, when we have not understood grace, when we've not been transformed by grace, it is very, very hard to be generous, gracious, and grateful people. More to be said about that after. Individuals who don't respond to God's grace or don't recognize it or understand it are usually individuals who are chronically struggling with whether they deserve something or they don't deserve something. And and, and the formula kind of goes like this, right? Or the equation kind of goes like this When I'm good, God blesses me. When I'm bad, God withholds his blessing from me. He he might punish me and discipline me. You know, even though we may not see that in each other's lives on a daily basis, you know where it shows up? Where where our thinking and our believing that way, you know where it shows up? It shows up in our relationships. Because that's how we eventually end up treating people. If you're good to me, I'm good back to you. If you are mean to me, I'm mean to you. If you offend me, I cut you off. If, I mean, I can go on and on, and, and you know where I'm going with this. Now, there's a little story in, in the Gospels, in Matthew 18, and I don't want to unpack the whole story. I just want to pick up on this one little fact. So here's what's going on in the story. Uh, Peter is, um, or J- Peter asks Jesus a question about unforgiveness, and Peter says, hey, listen, you've got to forgive 70 times 7. Okay. And he says, okay, Peter, you, you're not getting us. So let me tell you a little story. There's a king, and he's got uh, a, a debtor that owes him like a million bucks. And the guy comes in, and he says, uh, the king says, hey, listen, it's time to pay back. And the guy falls on his floor, uh, on the floor and says, Listen, I, 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 don't ha- I can't pay you back. And he says, okay, your wife, your children are going to jail and you're going to lose everything. So he's pleading and he's crying and he's on the floor and he's saying, Please, please, just, just have mercy on me. Give me time. Give me time. The interesting thing about this little story, and I recognize that it's a parable, but here's the punchline that we seldom see in this story. The king forgives him the entire debt. He doesn't give him time to make the money to pay back. He forgives him the debt. But the guy doesn't see it. Right? So he goes out what he's thinking. I'm in owe it back to the king mode. So he sees the first guy who owes him a 100 bucks and he grabs him by the throat and says, Listen, you cheap cockroach. You Don't give me my money. And, 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 and the guy says, I can't, I can't, I don't have any money. And then, So, you know, what happens to him? And then the king finds out and he says, hey, listen. Dude, you owed me a million bucks. I forgave you the entire thing. This guy owes you a hundred bucks and, and you do that to him? Without stretching this, what I'm trying to, to help us see here is that when we don't see what we have been forgiven of, When we fail to realize how free the grace of God is, that all that we have are gifts from Him to us without any strings attached, without any pay-it-forward, pay-it-back clause in the fine print. Instead of living out gratitude, we're always living from this Whether we realize it or not, I I owe God. You know, I've I've, I've got to make sure I cross my T's and dot my I's because, you know, um, man, life is too good to be true. And that's the reality about grace. For a lot of us, it is too good to be true. How many times have you heard the saying, "There's, there's no such thing as a free meal. There's no free ride. I'll leave that there. Is it interesting that later on in a story where Jesus is sitting down with some Pharisees, um, uh, this prostitute comes in and she's sobbing. And she's sobbing at the feet of Jesus and she's kissing his feet. And I mean, it was, it was quite the display, right? I, I think in fairness, uh, we would feel quite uncomfortable by that. And so naturally the, the religious leaders go, I thinking in their minds, like, okay, this guy is supposed to be a prophet of Israel? He's supposed to have, like, spiritual discernment? Does this guy not realize that a prostitute is kissing his feet and crying over him and, and just acting completely socially inappropriate? And again, Jesus, instead of lecturing the Pharisees, I want to, I, I, I got something to ask you. Um... A guy calls in two debtors and he forgives them other debts. One owes a little bit, one owes a lot. Who's gonna love the who's gonna love more when he's forgiven? Well, we we know how the story goes. The point is, is that it's not the size of the debt. The point is, is that both have been forgiven. And there are individuals who somehow have walked their spiritual journey believing, well. I really wasn't that bad when I came into the kingdom. I mean, you know, it was like maybe a few little blemishes here and there and dark spots and a couple of little vices and, and things. And, but, you know, like it's not like I'm like that person. I mean, they're a drug addict and they're, you know, they're a fighter and an adulterer and all this stuff. It's got nothing to do with the size of the sin or the amount. But you see, it's very, very interesting that individuals who realize how much they've been forgiven of, love back. In other words, people who are, are really, really grateful, I think realize how much they've been given, how free it is, how beautiful it is. I'll leave that there. There are individuals who somehow... Struggle with ingratitude and and I think this is the point I really want to drive home today and just kind of this our heart-to-heart talk here Because I think it, it, it may be more true of us than we care to imagine There are people who simply do not recognize the good in what they've been given They don't recognize the good in what they've been given now this is difficult to articulate, and I want to do this very carefully because I don't want to be misinterpreted. How many of you have struggled with seasons of deep disappointment? You don't have to, I'm, I'm not asking you to raise your hands. Just How many of you have struggled with seasons of deep, deep disappointment? You had expectations of God you had expectations maybe of, of fellow believers, and they were unmet. They were crushed. And you just sit back and you're thinking, I just can't believe this. And and you wrestle with this sense of, I know that I'm not deserving of the good that I have, that it's all a gift of God, but man, I am disappointed because my lot stinks. I have been wrestling with this health issue for 20 years and I know I don't deserve to be healed. But, but if grace is not about deserving or not deserving, then how come I'm still not healed? Why am I still wrestling with this? And we carry this chronic sense of disappointment that eats away at our ability to be grateful to God for all things. I think whether it's the inability to recognize God's grace as grace or the inability to recognize the good in what God's given us, I think ultimately it's a problem of perception. It's a problem with our ability, the heart's ability to see. Mark and his charts, right? You knew knew that that you were not going to get away this morning without a chart. So well, it's okay. Well, we'll forgive them. You know, at least it's one chart, not ten. I, I just want. I, I just want. I, I was trying to sketch this out. You know, sometimes you try to explain something, and it's it's like a tennis ball It's just bouncing all over the room. Um, think of it this way. Okay. Every day, you and I are recipients of God's grace and gifts. Right. And as I believe Tyler alluded to it, that there are times we don't even recognize it as a gift of grace. Or, as I just said, we can't even see the good in what we are facing or what we are experiencing or what has come our way. And because we don't recognize it, instead of receiving this with a humble heart, we're resentful or we're rejecting. We just, we don't have any part to do with it. Or we completely misinterpret God's grace. And instead of responding with gratitude, sometimes we just don't respond at all. Sometimes we're indifferent. And I would dare say when that happens over and over and over again, we just simply become ungrateful people. Now, we don't see grace behind everything we've given that's been given by God. We don't see the good in what we have by God's permission or allowance. And that is a difficult place to be in. You see, the the Christian who believes that these things come into their life because they're good, because they're faithful, because they go to church, because they tithe, because they're moral, because they do good behind, the, behind closed doors where nobody can see them. Here's the problem with that. If God's grace is conditional upon you being good, then, it, then the withdrawal of his grace and his goodness is also conditioned upon you being bad. In other words, when you're good and faithful, God is good and faithful. But when you slip up, mess up, as we all do, then God, is, God withdraws that from you. Do you understand how dangerous that thinking is? Do you understand why it is easy to misunderstand the grace of God? and just attribute to the good things that God gives us as somehow, good has come to me because I have been a good person. No, listen, good has come to you without any respect of whether you are good or whether you are deserving. Thank you. That's what grace is all about. How many times in the New Testament do we have this, this reminder that, He has blessed us and given us things without any regard to whether we deserve it or merit it. But when we don't understand God's grace, as I said earlier, people may not see that in our lives, but I'll tell you, our relationships betray us. You know why? Because we treat people as either deserving or undeserving of what we have or what we give them. In other words, you do me wrong, I will do you back wrong. You fail to honor me, I will find a way of dishonoring you. Or if you're good to me, and if you're, if you, if, boy, oh boy, um, you do me one good, I'll do you one back. We don't realize how much we live this way, and that actually continues to undermine our understanding of God's grace. So how do we recover from this? And, and this, is, this, this is really my, my prayer for us, for myself, and um, how I really believe that God would go about healing us from ingratitude. Well, you can't think your way into it, though it is important to challenge the way we think. First of all, remedy number one. I think we need to recover our capacity to recognize the grace of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 31-32, and you can read it for yourselves there, but the point here is that um, where it says, uh, God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, well, that the word gave him up for us all is the translation of one word means God generously and freely gave. Generously and freely. How will he not generously and graciously give us all things? No strings attached. Nothing. It's not dependent on our goodness, our faithfulness. Again, in, in Luke chapter 7, the story of the prostitute, the creditor forgives both in, uh, individuals in debt because he wants to. They, they, they can't give him anything in return. It's, it's, gracious. it's the same word. He graciously, freely forgave them. No ROI, no return on my generosity. Now, some of us have a hard time believing that God never obligates us to himself. He just simply doesn't. He simply doesn't. Second remedy. Recovering the faith that God will ultimately bring good to or out of what comes our way. Now, We all know the beautiful passage where Jesus is talking about parents and fathers. And he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you good things to those who ask him? God cannot give us anything less than what is good. It's impossible for him. By his very nature, he can't give us bad He only gives us good. The difficulty is we don't recognize it as good. Stop thinking about your mother-in-law. That's just a joke. Scripture says that he works out all things for the good to those who love him. Not only does he give us good, but when things that are not good come into our lives, he actively works to bring good out of it. Often we don't see good that comes into our lives because we are so short-sighted and we always want what's best for us now. Case in point, remember the story of Paul and his thorn in the flesh? What does he say to to the Lord? Three times I prayed to to have this removed from me. And the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. The point here, Paul was looking for immediate relief. God was giving him long-term protection. He goes on to say, "Now, as a result, I take delight in these things that come against me, because even though I am weak, I'm made strong in the Lord, but more importantly, this thing what and, and again, we don't know what it is, all we know is that whatever came into Paul's life kept him humble and broken." At Protected him from becoming arrogant and self-centered, and self-aggrandizing, and thinking, I'm, hey, I'm the man. I saw Jesus personally. I heard His voice. I had, I had visions and revelations. I'm the man." And and and, you know, like I, I'm looking. I'm thinking. God, God's working with Paul. And, and so it's almost if, if I can put it this way, it's almost if like Jesus said, "Paul." Because of what you experience, as great as this is, this can also destroy you. Your greatest gift can be a source of destruction in your life. I'm going to allow something into your life that's going to keep you humble and broken. Because I have more than your immediate relief at at heart. I've got your long-term life in view. And I think the quintessential story, and I'm about to close with this, is obviously the story of Joseph, who essentially lost his teenage years and young adult years to betrayal, imprisonment, being forgotten, abandoned, discarded, rejected. And at the end of his whole ordeal, isn't it amazing that he looks at his brothers, he said, listen, it's okay. I know that you Intended it for evil, but literally says God planned it for good. And that that and, and I want to be careful here because I know the propensity is for some of us to think well, you know, all this evil in my life is, is just God's goodness. No. Listen, if you're being abused by your employer verbally, emotionally, you don't stick around to wait for good to come out of it, right? Um, Anyhow, We, we can go on and on and on. The point is, the point is, is that things happen to us And it can make our hearts become resentful and angry and ungrateful over our position, our lot in life. And then we start looking at God going, hey, listen. Like, I expected this and you did not come through. And God's saying, listen, just be patient. I can work in this. I can bring good out of this. Sometimes we feel like we've been singled out for disaster. We haven't been singled out for disaster. We need only look around the world that is around us and see what has happened to other people. But only to the believer does God say, I have the capacity to bring good out of this. So with this, I close. Most of us, have only understood what I call transactional gratitude. In other words, if I go up to Ben and I give him ten dollars, I see Ben. Ben gets excited. Now, what what does he do? He thinks well of me. He thinks, oh, Mar-, you know, Mark's hey, Mark's not such a bad guy after all. He gave me ten bucks. You know, that's that's all I got. Ben's, Mark's also poor, but uh, no. But but you see, the point is that that's that's all we know, really is we are good to people who are good to us. When people are excessively generous and we, really re- and we realize like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what they've done for me. It's very hard for us to not feel a sense of indebtedness. Almost a sense like I, I owe this person something, right? We even talk that way, oh brother, I owe you one. A lot of us have never understood what it's like to be freed by grace so that when we give to others, they are free. How many of you have received something even from a loved one and deep down in your heart you know that you're obligated? You're obligated. You're in debt to them. We do that in our relationships and we wonder why we struggle with ingratitude. Folks, God does not indebt us to himself. Because the only kind of of gratitude that will free us to be grateful people and be generous people and be gracious people is the kind of gratitude that we cultivate when we are in the receiving end of God's goodness and grace. Of the good things that have come into our lives. I can share testimony. I should be dead. I should be in prison. I... I, You just don't know. And I look back and I think of the countless times that God has done something without any regard to whether I deserved it or not. He freed my heart. Now I am a, a recovering ingrate. I still have days where in my mind, I check off the list. I have done this for somebody and they have not shown gratitude. But I'm moving more away from the checklist mindset to the compassion mindset. That I've actually found myself at times doing good, being generous, being gracious to people who are the very opposite to me. And you know what, you know what's liberating? is that I don't have to carry around my list of who's been good to me and who hasn't, who's been naughty, who's been nice. I'm starting to become free of the list. I'm starting to become free of what I think people owe me. And I am just free to be gracious, to be generous, because at some point, with some individual, that's going to sink in. That Mark doesn't have an agenda Mark is not looking for something in return. He just really meant this. And it's transforming. Freely you have received from God. Freely. Freely you have received, expect back in return. Freely you have received, freely give. When we see how graciously generous God has been with us without any strings attached, we are free to be generous with others. I'm going to ask the ushers, please. Uh, I have a little something to give to you today. You know the way it is with most sermons, right? You'll probably forget the majority of this by the time you get to turkey dinner, and that's okay. I think the most important thing to remember today is simply this, is to allow your hearts to recognize the grace of God and to realize that everything you have has come to you without any strings attached. And that if you think your lot in life now is difficult and hard, you need only trust the Lord that he has the capacity to bring good out of what you're facing. This is just a simple little Thanksgiving exercise I want to leave you with today. I'm going to invite Tyler to come forward, please. Very, very simple. A few steps. Uh, Thanksgiving exercise. This can take as, it could take as little as 15 minutes to do. It could take as long as an hour to do. For me, I, I take things like this and I spend hours, you know, my poor wife says, Where, are, are you lost? No. <laughs> but the point is, and I'm not going to read it to you because it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's a little exercise to rediscover the goodness of God, the graciousness of God in your lives, and to allow that to begin to change your heart again And to rediscover how good he has been to you. And then, from that, as your heart begins to be changed and softened, then start looking at your relationships and and do they reconcile with what you know to be true about God? If God has freely given to you, are you freely giving to others? None of this is easy. But there is nothing more transforming than gratitude. Because gratitude comes from a heart that's been saturated in grace and a heart that's been saturated in the goodness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this day, we thank you. I know that the lens Of our heart has been cluttered by the ingratitude that we have faced in life. We can't we can't clean the way our heart perceives things the way we would with our glasses. We grab a a, a wipe and we clean off the smudges, the fingerprints, the dirt, the dust. But we can't do that with our own heart. Paul talks about the eyes of our heart being enlightened, being opened. Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can do that. You can come upon the heart of a person. And you can clean it. You can help them to see with a new perspective in a new light. And today, our prayer is, I pray for myself as much as I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would see all that we have from you is a gift of grace. You are not obliged. You are not compelled by our goodness. And in our sinfulness and broken, neither do you withhold good from us. You don't punish us so that we get things right, so that you can bless us. Your word says it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's your loving kindness, your graciousness, your generosity that melts our heart from the the self-imposed prison of resentment and disappointment and anger and frustration to realize that all that we have this day has come from your gracious hand. So, free us that we may free others. For individuals here, for parents who are still holding their children in obligation, who look at them with this you owe me mindset. Look at everything I've done for you. Look at what I've suffered for you. Look what I've gone through for you. Would you deliver us as parents from that? for individuals who have been pushed around and controlled and maybe even in some way emotionally abused and oppressed because they have been given gifts and been given things of others only to find out that they've been manipulated and pushed around that that individual is holding it over them would you free them this day Would you help them not to retaliate or to be resentful? But to simply let it go. That before you, they are not obliged. They're not under obligation. That what they do, they do so willingly. Father, I pray today that we as people, as parents, as fellow believers would have the grace to let each other go to stop holding something some form of obligation over each other for things done in the past for gifts given for benefits rendered that we would simply not treat people like they owe us something God as we realize that we have been graciously given all things from you that that you don't hold us in obligation. You want our hearts to be transformed by your generosity, your grace, and your goodness. So do you want our relationships to be transformed by generosity, goodness, and graciousness. So Lord, as we rediscover freedom in you, may we free others. And I pray God especially For those who have carried the burden, the false burden of guilt, the false burden of believing that they just can't enjoy life because they owe you so much. They don't deserve to be happy. They don't deserve to be joyful. Would you liberate them? Today, the extension, the invitation also goes out to anybody who has not tasted the freedom, the generosity, the graciousness of God when it comes to being forgiven and cleansed from your past for the wrongs done. I just wanna let you know that that is why Christ died on the cross. Not to hold you in debt to him, but to free you. If you would like to do a Thanksgiving exercise, that Pastor Mark talked about in the sermon today, you can do it through the Bible app on your mobile device. Open the Bible app, select More, select Events, search for Oakville or EPC, and you will see an event called a Thanksgiving exercise. Thank you.